smile back at the cross. Always good to go to the cross. We're in Psalm 139 as we continue a series on seeing God clearly. It's amazing as David writes this song, he's having a worship time. He's seeing God as God truly is. And so this section of scripture, we're going to look at the fact that God's all powerful. So if you'll turn to Psalm 139 with me and stand in our great God's honor and read verses 13 through 18. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Let's pray. Father, we join with David in saying thank you that when we awake, you're still with us, Lord. That you, the all-powerful one, would reach down to the weak and weary and just love us, Lord. Meanwhile, back at the cross, you showed that. Father, I, I just pray that minister to us, Lord. You're doing it and continue to do that. And Father, we need you. So just speak. In Christ's name we pray. Life has its struggles. I, many of us know how Isaiah chapter 40 ends. Uh, but the verse before those two verses says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Hey, are there any weary here today? You don't even have to raise your hand. Any weak? There is one with all power for you. To help you in, in that weariness or in that weakness. We know how that great chapter closes. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up or soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary and walk and not be faint. That's our God. He is the source of that in, in His great power. Psalm 145, verse 3. I thought of that as Logan was playing. It says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. It is impossible for us to totally fathom how great our God is. And guys, the blessing and joy that we share is so connected to how we see our God. How, how we are aware of his presence and his power in our lives and that he is at work around us. Donald Gray Barnhouse was invited to go back to the seminary where he went as a student and to preach for chapel. 
And so he stands and he gets ready to speak his devotional thoughts. And he looks out and he sees this Hebrew professor. He said, oh, man, this is going to be tough. I'm going to mess up in front of him. And so anyway, he spoke and he got done. And the professor came up to him and he said, Good to hear you speak. Just want to let you know I'll never come and listen to you speak again. And he said, but don't be offended. He said, every time a student comes back here to speak, I go once to hear them. And he said, I do it for a specific reason. Uh, I, I want to know which kind of believer and preacher they really are. Are they a big godder, that's G-O-D-D-E-R, or a little godder? And he said, today, I'm happy to tell you that you're a big godder. And what that means is some people do not believe that God is big enough to handle the issues that they face, that the presence of God is not with them, that God can not work in his power to, to bring miracles out of what we call impossible situations. That's a little godder. But a big godder says, God, you're there, and God, I will place my complete confidence and trust in you, and I anticipate and expect you to work. What about you? What about me? Are we little godders? <laughs> or are we big godders? Will we stand fast in his commands? As we look at David's view here, uh, I want to look at three things here. First, that God is wonderful. And that's where we're going to start. That's where we're going to look. And uh, it's interesting here, as you look at the text, he could easily started and thought well all you gotta do is look around you guys and you can see how awesome god is how powerful he is when you just look at creation you, you know you look at the heavens you look at all the universes and all the stars and and the vastness of that but but that is not where he begins instead of looking around at the vastness and the greatness of creation he looks inside of a mother's womb and, and why does he do that? I believe it is because he is, he is trying to make a statement that we are made in his image. That mankind does matter. The sanctity of life is because we are like him. We, we are the, the pinnacle of the creation, as hard as it is for us to believe, as we look at the vastness of it all. It only says about mankind that we were created in his image, male and female. He created them. <laughs> no matter how big or how little you think you are, you are precious in God's sight because he has created you. And as he starts out here, as he's, he looks at his text here, notice what he says. He says, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. 57 times in the Bible, God is referred to as the Almighty. There is no one like Him. In Job 42.2 it says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. It is impossible... <laughs> To conquer God. 
He's the invincible, unconquerable one. Jeremiah says, God, I know there is nothing that is too hard for you. In Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us. Man, what a power source that we have. God himself within us. Remember Mary when she got the news that she was in shock. You are going to give birth to a special child. She's like, me? Uh, that's, uh, how can that happen? You know? <laughs> but anyway, it, it, she's told this great news and she's dumbfounded, she's stunned. And then she says in Luke one thirty seven, I love how it um, says it in the... Uh, Amplified Bible, he says, For with God nothing is ever impossible, and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. And Jesus said it in the reverse in Mark 10, 27. He said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. God can take a 99-year-old worn-out Abraham and a 90-year-old Sarah and a child can be conceived and born, even in an age that seemed impossible. Uh, as the Egyptians are chasing God's people toward the sea, it looks like it's over for God's people. And suddenly the impossible happens as the sea rises and there is a path with walls of water on both sides, and as they continued on, at just the proper time, the seas came and destroyed the enemy that was behind them. What looked impossible, yeah, it was impossible for people, but not for God. Secondly, look at how detailed his workmanship is. He says, man, I, I praise you, God, because you are powerful and mighty and I am fearfully and wonderfully made as crazy as it sounds to those thinkers when you say that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and, and the word you, know, you hear in the Hebrew ex nihilio you know that um, made out of nothing listen the people that say well you know there was this big bang, and all of a sudden it just happened, boom, and you know, and everything was just there, and just. Well, you tell me, people say, well, how how can how can God create everything when there was nothing before God? That's how they think. Let me tell you, I don't understand, but God always has been, and always is, and always will be. I know that's bigger than my little pea brain, or any of us here. But it, what makes more sense to say? That nothing came out of nothing, or something came out of nothing, or everything came out of nothing, or somebody created it all. Our God is awesome in power and in his, in his strength. Molecular biologist Michael Denton said this about evolution. He said, Evolutionary theory is still, as it was in Darwin's time, a highly speculative hypothesis entirely without direct factual support. 
you know, there's a picture here that all we need to do is find more fossils and, and we can piece together and, and we can find those links that uh, connect the species. And yet, listen to this quote from David Roth, who was a curator of the Field Museum in Chicago. He says, We are now over 120 years after Darwin, and the knowledge of the fossil record has been greatly expanded. We now have a quarter of a million fossil species, but the situation hasn't changed much. We have fewer examples of evolutionary transition than we did in Darwin's There is a God who is the creator and who has been at work. And David is saying, look, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made. It might have been secret to everyone else, but it was not secret to you. You watched me as I was carefully and magnificently formed. Your eyes saw my unformed body. And he says there in verse 16, um, all the days ordained for me pre-recorded, were written in your book before one of them came to be. God in his magnificence carefully crafted each of us, wove us together in that womb, knit us together. It's such a beautiful picture of God constructing a person in the womb and, and bringing together out, out of what is so small, you and me. I love it. Uh, it's been said, the average human being has 100 trillion cells. Well, I'm not that good at math, but that's bigger than I can really picture. But There's 100,000 miles of nerve fiber in your body, 60,000 miles of blood vessels, 206 bones. Add to that the joints and the muscles. That's a lot of stuff. And, and God has crafted that together. It's a miracle in his power. The Bible acknowledges, too, that uh, the personhood, that, um, the personality of each of us happens not at some time months later in the formation of a person, but at the time of conception. Listen to these verses. Uh, this is from Isaiah chapter 44. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and the one who formed you from the womb, Jeremiah said, God spoke, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. And yet it, it breaks my heart as there are some who have been led to believe that if you don't want that baby that's growing in your womb, you can just cut it out. You can just remove it from you like an appendix that's going to rupture or a spleen that's going bad. The little one that's growing inside is, is a life, a, a, a precious person. And abortion, I, I certainly would never want to condemn anyone who has had an abortion because they need to be loved. But I certainly don't want to say tell anyone that what is growing inside the womb of a mother is just a glob of tissue. It's a person. A person that God is forming and developing within the womb. When you put together all the abortions that have occurred, uh, 
since 1973. One commentator made this point that that number of abortions would equal the annihilation of the population of the United Kingdom, England, Wales, Scotland, and Australia all at once. Kanye West, remember back when he was running for president this last cycle, he, he made this declaration. He said, you know, I almost killed my own daughter. I wanted to have an abortion for one of my children. And then Kanye started, or Ye, whatever his name is, started weeping. I almost killed my own daughter, he said. You know what? There was a time in my life when I was in my mother's womb and my dad wanted an abortion. My mother, he said, saved my life. We have a unique time in, in the handout that we passed out in the bulletin uh, because many of the communities that are surrounding Bristol, Virginia are coming out boldly and saying we don't want an abortion clinic where we live. Um, Bristol, Virginia has become a, a target as a central location for those who want to have an abortion in our region and in our area. And so you see that handout. It basically uh, just describes there's going to be a town hall meeting in Bristol, Virginia. And you can take time to look at that. And just an opportunity. I plan on going just to see, just so I know firsthand what is going on. And uh, you can read more about, you know, about that. It says it better than, than I can explain. But the importance of, of standing up for life. It's hard to even grasp the magnificence of the detail of the human body. Um, <laughs> I want to read to you uh, about DNA. Now, when you think about DNA, it is amazing um, how you look, uh, how tall you are, color of your eyes. All these things are wrapped up in the DNA that's in our bodies. And there's 100 trillion cells in the human body. Francis Collins, who headed up the Human Genome Project, where they were literally uh, cataloging the DNA of a person, um, he, he said this. I'm just going to read uh, here from his writings. He said that the DNA is three billion letters long, written in a strange and cryptographic four-letter code. Now, we heard when we went to school that there's 46 segments in each cell, 23 from mom, 23 from dad that uh, form together for the cells, for the DNA in each person. He said, if you could take the information of one cell, Francis writes, that would be equal to a library with 4,000 books. That's just one cell in your body, 4,000 books. He goes on to write, <laughs> he says that a live reading of that information, of that code, at a rate of three letters per second, would take you 31 years to read aloud. Think about that. And then he goes on and he says, if the DNA was likewise uncoded from all the cells in your body, the 100 trillion cells, it would be enough books to fill the Grand Canyon 78 times. 
how magnificent is this earth suit <laughs> that God has developed and given to us. But lastly and thirdly, as, as I close here, I, I want to show God's wisdom has no limit, that it is matchless. You see, as David writes, he, he just breaks out into worship in this worship song about how spectacular and magnificent God is by His creation and how marvelous He is in His works and how it's just so easy to worship a God that we can't fathom His greatness. Uh, as you look at verses 17 and 18 of our text, uh, I love it. He says, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. You know, he, he does a switch here in this verse. He's been talking about how great God is and his thoughts of how great God is. But now he switches it around and he says, man, how great it is that you think about me. Think about that, God. The God who is so great thinks about you and me. How precious are those thoughts? Th think about relationships with people. And I'm sure like me, you've got some friends that you don't get to see very often. And uh, you miss them and, and you love them. And I had one of those this week. I called Jim Brady, a dear friend of mine. I, I, I talked to him, I don't know, a month or two ago. And he was having some health issues. And so Thursday, I thought, man, I need to call him. So... I gave him a call, and Jim said, Oh, I was just thinking I needed to call you. He said, I would like to tell you a few things. It shouldn't take long, hour and a half later. <laughs> you know, that goes, Jim said, in the last month, I've had 17 encounters uh, due to medical conditions, and I almost died. And he said, uh, God in his mercy, I, I won't spend an hour and a half telling you all this, okay, if you get to look at God got me through this, and he said, then I thought, man, I need to start calling people that I've hurt and try to get this stuff right. And he said, so I called a bunch of people, and he said, the reason I hadn't called you was I couldn't think of anything like that. He said, honestly, he said, when I thought of you, he said, I thought of someone as, you know, close as you can be, he said, you're my lifelong prayer partner. Man, I'm about to start, I'm about to start crying now. I'm thinking about, man, I, it just kind of thought about, Lord, I wish we could still be together. God moved us in different directions. But he'll always be precious to me, this guy. Loves the Lord, loves me. and Man, don't we all need that, you know? And I thought, how, how precious that is. And, 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 you know, just him saying that to me, you know, what an encouragement to me. And, of course, you know, I tried to return the favor, tell him how much I loved him as well, how precious he was to me. But, God, so much more, you are precious to him. And, and David is thinking, he said, man, this is just incredible. This is mind-blowing that the creator of all, the majestic God, is thinking about me, that he personally loves me. And then he says, man, your thoughts outnumber the grains of sand. 
All right, this is uh, for Lisa Hyder. She's out here somewhere. <laughs> Someone, there's always somebody that's got to do it, tried to calculate the number of grains of sand. Now, I cannot validate exactly how accurate this is, but I'll share it with you. <laughs> they said, uh, if you could calculate the number of grains of sand in a teaspoon and multiply it by all the beaches and deserts in the world, the number would be roughly 7 point times 10 to the 18th grains of sand or 7 quintillion 500 quadrillion grains. Now, I don't know what that means other than that's a lot of sand. <laughs> and yet he says, God, your thoughts are so vast. God, I can't get my little brain around how great you are. But Lord, I will worship you. That's, that's what he's communicating. That's what he is saying here. Um, story of a little boy who went with his dad to the park and got in a sandbox. And man, he was ready. He brought his toy dump truck and some other necessities for playing in a sandbox. And he's playing around and suddenly moves to a part of the sandbox and there's this big rock in the sandbox. Big rock doesn't belong in the sandbox. This big rock's got to go. So he took his little shovel and he's trying to dig on the little rock. And he, he works on it and he tries to push the rock and he picks up. He's got to get that rock out of there. Finally, he moves the rock, not that far. And he just falls and he just starts crying. Well, his dad watches this whole event. And finally, his dad comes over to him. And, and he says to him, so why didn't you use all the strength available to move that rock? He said, Dad, I did. Dad, I pushed on that rock. I dug on that rock. I did everything I could to move that rock. He said, well, you didn't come and ask me to help you move it. So the dad came, got in the sandbox with the boy, got the rock out, managed to push it out of the sandbox. All right, guys, what about you? I don't know what issue is in your life that is causing weariness and weakness, but God is bigger. And God is ready to meet you at that place because he's already thinking about you. And he wants to bless you. And he wants you to know you're not alone. So as we have this time to pray, invitation, time to respond to God, listen to his voice as he speaks to you and respond. Let's pray. Lord, <laughs> you are mighty, Lord. Your understanding has no limit. Boy, ours does. So we run to you now, not away from you, asking you to help us to meet us in our time of need, Lord to show your strength to our, our weakness. Move among us, God. Um, maybe someone needs to come to the altar and pray. You know what the needs are. Maybe someone, Lord, needs to make a decision that requires trusting upon you this morning. Or who knows, maybe it's to come to you for the first time to find forgiveness and a new start, God, because... That's the only way 
to really have what we need, and that's knowing you and walking with you, and you want that. Father, maybe maybe it's the fact that we haven't been trusting you, and we've been filled with worry, and we've been trying to push that rock, and it's not budging, and you're inviting us to cry out to you. Lord, just move among us this morning, please, Lord. We'll trust you if we stand to sing, knowing that you'll do what you want. And Father, may we just not get in your way. In Christ's name, amen.